found the con. Let's take a look. Fabulous week of the best podcast in the entire endless universe. Young Nostalgia episode 74, <laughs> the Nostalgia Con coming at you. I'm Nolan, as always, Ben is beside me, and we have none other than our wonderful, fabulous supporter, friend, and guest, Dr. Shane Tilton, with us here on. Dr. Shane Tilton is currently an assistant professor of multimedia journalism at Ohio Northern University and holds the honor of being the 2018 Young Stationers Prize winner. Dr. Tilton also co authored The Psychology of the Legends of Zelda, and he has spoken more than 40 times at a variety of conferences and public forums on topics covering the digital divide, new media, as well as popular culture. Ben, how are you doing today, big guy? Oh, it's been fantastic. Been a busy week, a busy weekend, but uh, it's always great to sit down uh, for Young Nostalgia, especially when we have such a, uh, a favorite guest with us today. It's Absolutely. So, I, I love that you're calling me a favorite guest. It is so nice to be on the show and a huge supporter of the endeavors that y'all do. So this is this is a I anytime I have an opportunity to be on your show, I am more than happy to be here. Well, Doctor Tilton, it's so good to hear your voice again, man. Uh, life been treating you okay? Yeah, I mean it, it's been as we talked before the show. It's been interesting, but you know, having interesting things happen gives you a great opportunity to tell cool stories. And make people feel sorry for you. So I figured, you know, it's 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 got its good, it's got its bad. So it's it's, it's okay. It's, it's right. It's, well, you know, it's something that we're going to look back on and just kind of chuckle at. But you know what? We're glad you're okay. Happy yeah. to be here. Um, okay. Thought for the entire group here. Um, this weekend, I have come across probably the worst question I've ever been asked, and I think <laughs> I struggle with it all the time. So anymore, I like I never used to remember how this how this used to be growing up, but you got your groceries or you got everything you need to, you go to the checkout and then they ask you paper or plastic. And I don't know what it is, but I absolutely freeze and I go, <laughs> uh, paper. But then the thing is, I take so long that they automatically start putting into plastic and then they have to take everything out of the plastic and put it into paper bags. But then I say, no, it really doesn't matter. You can do whatever. So what do you guys do? I absolutely freeze. I don't. I never know how to answer this question. It's crazy. Yes. No, see, it's not the paper plastic because at, in our household, we use the plastic as trash bags. So that's that's the easy part. It's thinking about how I'm paying for the groceries because I have the cash. It's like if it's like if it's like 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 50 or 60 bucks I'm going to pay. It's easily the card. If it's like 20 or 30, it's cash. But when it's like $40 or if it's like $39, oh. I got two 20s on me and that's it. I have to do the mental uh, arithmetic to see is it worth only getting changed back for the rest of the day. So, no, I mean, I, I'm okay with paper plastic. That's that's a, that's an easy argument. It's how am I going to pay when it's hitting that Goldilocks zone of is it too much for uh, cash and not enough for the credit card? Right. At, so, at that time, you're like, if I pay $2 in cash, can I put the rest on my card? That's, yeah, that's why I've done that before, too. So, so, it feels embarrassing, but I've done that. Right. In Shane's answer to your question, Nolan, he was saying that He's on such a uh, a higher level in the grocery store that he can't be bothered with the oh, you know, with the, oh paper or plastic. Man. No, I've got more important man. things to think about here. Right, right. <laughs> See, the best is if you just bring your own bags, but then actually just decide not to use them. <laughs> 
will say, I like having, now, the weird thing is if I have, so we have Community Market in Aid, Ohio, and the only bags I have in my car are Trader Joe's. So it's weird having the Trader Joe's bag into Community Market. And I always get the strangest look. It's worse when I was in Lexington because I had Trader Joe's <laughs> bags in a Whole Foods. And apparently that's a whole, that's a, that's a social faux pas that no one ever told me about. You can't, it's basically you're crossing lines. And frankly, you know, if I can do anything on the show, it's to teach people that you have to keep the right bags on the right occasion. Otherwise, just bad things happen. There you go. I love it. Ben, I don't know if you have an answer to this question. Do you ever freeze up or I Ben just honestly, never grocery shops? Th- this is also true. Um, and and when I do, it's mostly the, uh, uh, the, Hey, can you pick this up on the way home or something? And it's like a thing of sour cream. And they're like, do you want it in a bag? And I'm like, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, but no, I can't say I've ever actually froze up on that. My, my default answer, I think it's the way to answer, um, a lot of questions that would freeze anybody up is if you just shoot back with a quick, I don't care. Um, I think that'll... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that'll eliminate a lot of uh, future guesswork and freezing up. And oh just your default is, I don't really care. Whatever. Right. I think next time I'm just going to pretend I don't know English. And then. <laughs> no hobbling glaze. Right. That'll, right. That'll work. That'll be good. That's, that's I good love it. I'm really scared of the answer Oh, my gosh. All right. All right. Let's get back on rails. So episode 74, the Nostalgia Con, is all going to be about uh, us picking Dr. Tilton's brain about um, the wide popular culture phenomenon of conventions or conferences. So things like Gen Con, Comic Cons, Twitch Cons, um, PAX, PAX West, uh, like about video games, things that travel around the nation or the world to bring people together for a very large niche hobby hobby together for a long weekend. Kind of what we're going to be talking about is why are these things so popular after the entire world is connected as much as it is? How come people still want to go and share these hobbies in you know a thousands and thousands of people crowd doing the same thing. Um, we're going to be talking about that as well as why the act of nostalgia makes these things so popular in terms of um, uh, like established brands like Zelda, Final Fantasy. Why these people come back time and time, time and time again, and you slap these names on, they'll always go and listen to the content. So that's what we're going to be getting into today on episode 74. Let's take a look. All right, Dr. Tilton, so you have been around for quite a while and kind of studying uh, popular culture, game culture, and uh, have talked to the public on numerous occasions about it. So let's take a step back and kind of talk about, so what is a con? What, okay. what does that mean? Well, that's a good question. I think the, probably the easiest way to explain a convention, and there's, and you're, we're kind of going to dig into two things. There's the idea of a convention and a conference. Um, a conference is a little easier to explain because typically it has a specific academic focus or a topic that traditionally people attend to hear panels. They or hear uh, watch people present uh, research or something along those lines. A convention is essentially a celebration of a particular aspect of either popular culture, gaming culture, or a celebration of a group of fans and all of their various interests. So at a conference, you would sit down and you would listen to panels. At a convention, you would go to the exhibit hall and buy the trinkets that express 
your particular enjoyment of intellectual properties and uh, shows, films, video games, what have you. So it's a little more expressive at a convention. I always say, and my friend uh, Tony Bean and I have talked about this, it's essentially a family reunion of geeks and nerds. <laughs> be, be, because it's it's something that they have the same social experiences. So you can go to uh, Star Wars or Star Trek or um, anything for uh, Nintendo that it basically you have these people that may have not met each other in the real world, but they share these in, these these experiences through this narrative, the narration and the storytelling of professional content creators. Okay. Um I absolutely love it. Uh, ben, do you have any questions for him? Um, well, I guess uh, I I don't have – I've never been to anything, uh, whether convention or conference-wise, in like the um, – in this subject matter, like uh, video games. But I have been to other things like industry kind of related. And I do see that there is – um, kind of going along the convention versus conference conversation we just had, um, there does seem to be somewhat of an overlap as well sometimes. It seems like there's a conference that'll sometimes have like an exhibit hall um, with, you know, that with a convention kind of stuff going on and vice versa. There might be a convention um, that has a main exhibit hall but it also there might be kind of uh speakers in separate rooms um along this you know along the lines of like an actual conference where people might choose one or both to go to depending on what their uh interests are so is that um is that also kind of paralleled into um the twitchcon comic-con pack pax west um anything like that is that kind of similar well, yeah, and I, and I think it's – I think if you look at – so the example to, go, to start off is Gen Con. So Gen Con is in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, on the Wednesday before the bigger Gen Con, they have trade days. So that's typically where they have educators, librarians, and uh, retailers get together and talk about the gaming industry. So it's more it's more technical nature. So that would be a conference. So it is more – now they have exhibitors. So they have like the game companies that come out and they show their new products. They sell some things. But it really is more intense and focused to the acquisition of knowledge. It's basically you're learning more about the industry, you're learning more about. So it has sort of a trade application. A convention to me is still is expressive. So you can go from the uh, trade day conference to Gen Con as a convention because when I go to the trade day, I'm Dr. Tilton and I represent Ohio Northern University. I've studied games specifically in pedagogy and talk to people in a way to better understand sort of the psychology and sociology of games. That's Dr. Tilton. On Thursday, I become Shane. And <laughs> I've been attending Gen Con for almost 20 years, and I have hundreds of friends that I know in Indianapolis because I worked for Mini Labs, I've worked for gaming companies, and I have that persona as part of my background. So they don't see Dr. Tilton, they see Shane. And sometimes I have a lab coat on or something that is so represented. So I am expressing my fandom, even though I don't say I there's a term of art called cosplay where you're essentially performing. It's it's one of my uh, high school teachers gave me a great term. It's living theater. So you have these people that are expressing their enjoyment of particular characters. So it's not unusual to see 
Deadpool or Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker or these these classic characters of popular culture exhibit or run through the exhibit hall or walk through the exhibit hall. So I'm I, once again because I'm an academic, I'm taking the long way around answering a short question. But <laughs> I, I, I I think the answer is it both exist in parallel because even when the convention or when the conference is going on, there's still many conventions or many conferences. There's many times where industry professionals are talking to one another trying to improve the industry. So the, the the idea that the convention is the enjoyment of people, there still is a business and economic component to it that people are trying to improve. And that sort of is the higher level aspect of those events. And so PAX has that uh, San Diego Comic-Con, which is probably one of the biggest ones in the world, definitely involves that. Dragon Con in Atlanta, Georgia also has its components. So it, it, they do work in parallel. So you can go to a, a, con, a convention like Gen Con, like Dragon Con, like Comic Con, and exist in those different worlds. So you can be the mm-hmm. professional, you can be the fan. And it, it, and it flips one another depending on who you're talking to. Right. And they kind of awesome. almost both enhance each other with the entirety of the experience, Correct. which is cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. So that's a perfect segue how you've talked about how you've been going to Gen Con for 20 years. So talk to us about a con like a you know these conventions and conferences how they enhance each other but like what is it about a con that makes people want to come back is it the memories is it the content that that's produced is it the people they meet what is it and i guess i can ask that follow-up question later yeah and the the answer i would give is yes i mean i think you you hit on all the points as i and as i said earlier it's basically a family reunion so i mean People that go to the conventions, typically nostalgia is part of that because if – especially if it's older property like Legend of Zelda or um, older comic books, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, they – people that attend those have the experiences of watching those movies, reading the graphic novels, watching the television shows. And they want to share that with people that will share that level of enjoyment. So it's being recognized for enjoying passionately, you know, elements of popular culture, and I and I think to that, I, I and I and I think the reason people come back is because there is the ability to see new content, but it's also the exhibit hall becomes kind of the the additional component. So if you like nintendo if you like for example legend of zelda and my brain's been legend of zelda for the last 18 months because that's basically <laughs> what i've been doing um i i bought a hat pin sort of out of the convention in seattle that was the triforce i have a lanyard that has zelda on it i bought um a t-shirt that has uh the musicians of 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 zelda so it's sort of these if we t- if I put on my sociology hat, it's artifacts. It's artifacts of expression. And basically it's elements that people can look at me and recognize me as a fan or at least someone that recognizes a particular piece of popular culture. So if they see my tri so I get people that stop me all the time when I'm wearing my Triforce pin on my hat and said, Triforce. I said, Yeah, I mean I'm a big fan of Zelda. I wrote a chapter on it. And it gives us something to talk about. So it's a way of making oh, connections cool. with others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. what conventions do really well is that people don't want to feel alone. They want to feel as part of a tribe. And these particular events have to give them the opportunity to do it. You asked the question initially, 
why do people travel hundreds or thousands of miles to attend these things? And I can tell you, in the last uh, 18 months, I've probably clocked well over 6,000 miles in travel between all of the conventions that I went to either present at as a speaker or something for my own personal. Um, the reason that people go is because they need that face-to-face. Online is great. I mean, the internet has given us, for has not always been great, but there have been opportunities of the internet to communicate with one another. The face-to-face connections allow people to feel grounded in, in a community that they understand. And I think that when you have that type of community and you have the artifacts, which nostalgia brings in those artifacts, gives you an opportunity to feel like you belong somewhere. And that's, I think that's, that's, a, that's a basic human condition. You want to feel like you belong somewhere. That's one of the basic hierarchy of needs. If we go to Matt, uh, to, um, to that, you want to feel like you're part of a larger community. Okay. I love it. That's perfect. So going on top of that, how you've talked about, um, you know, being a part of that group, let's, let's kind of trim it down a little bit, especially for uh, your experience and expertise. So let's take Zelda, for example. There is a lot of nostalgia that comes along with that. So how does a con use that nostalgia to attract, to attract people that are connected to Zelda? Like in your experience when you presented on the psychology of Zelda, what did you guys try to pinpoint to bring nostalgia along to that con? Did you pinpoint well, a certain I, game or part of Zelda? The, the, well, Zelda is kind of an interesting series because it spanned more than 30 years. I mean, it started in 1986 with the original Legend of Zelda. Um, I, I think there is the reason that Zelda works and the reason that people came to listen to us speak is because they have a particular affinity to it. So there's nothing traditionally when we're presenting on Legend of Zelda, um, we were at uh, PAX, which is the Penny Arcade Expo. So it's one of the biggest popular culture conferences, or sorry, popular culture conventions in the world because they have uh, five in the United States and one in Australia. I, I there's nothing specifically about PAX that triggers uh, Legend of Zelda, but seeing it in the the schedule, people's interest peak in that and. There are specific visuals that people will see throughout the exhibit halls, um, through cosplaying, through other through other elements. I can't tell you the amount of people that I saw cosplay as Link or Zelda or even um, some of the minor characters like Haas, which is one of my favorite characters, which was basically a minstrel that appears in the Breath of the Wild. Um, I, I, I think... Because people see those particular, either people cosplaying or they see, or they see the gold uh, cartridge, the original NES cartridge of Legend of Zelda, that triggers something in terms of memory. Um, the other thing that becomes kind of connected to that is that because you have those particular effects, and what I focused in the ch- in my chapter was music, and there's okay. a wonderful psychological. Um, concept called mere exposure mere exposure basically says that you will feel um a positive connection to particular pieces of popular culture if you have positive experiences while listening or watching those particular pieces of popular culture so if you play the original legend of zelda game there's the over uh, overworld theme 
And if you beat The Legend of Zelda while you're hearing that overworld theme play over and over again, you're going to feel positively connected to it. Okay. Um, and what happens sort of outside of the convention center is you have sort of these other cultural events that happen. So, for example, in Seattle, um, while PAX was going on, I think maybe a couple days before, a couple days after, the uh, Seattle um, Philharmonic was doing a show solely on the music of Final Fantasy. And Final Fantasy has this massive fan base that enjoys the narratives and the stories behind Final Fantasy. So every piece of music has significance. So they can go with other fans of Final Fantasy, listen to the music, and feel not only the connection to the community, but their own experiences playing the game. And that, I mean, that's sort of the basis of nostalgia. Um, sort of outside of any particular series, one of my greatest experiences going to PAX was, um, was doing the panel on nostalgia. And the one thing I asked the crowd, well, we talked about the Konami code, which is one of the classic um, pieces of um, code or pieces of you know geek culture. And I was in a room with about five, 600 people watching us speak, and I just yelled, what's the Konami code? And about 400 in unison said, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. <laughs> and every panelist just cracked up. And I said, I knew that was going to happen because it's something that's so ingrained in, in gaming culture that it's almost a call and response. So in church, you have call and response moments. In, in popular culture, gaming culture, there are those same call and responses, which builds the community. Awesome. Wow. And so... If you take like a conference like South by Southwest, right? Mm -hmm. Like South by Southwest is absolutely ginormous. I mean, it covers everything from games, film, interactive media, it's, music. Yeah. So what about that draws so many people together for one thing? Is it because it's so o overreaching or are things being able to overlap where you know people can uh, see a panel on Zelda but then also go to the music festival and see what's going on with like – Oh, a brand new pressing on vinyl of Breath of the Wild or something like that. Yeah, and that old Nolan's next to the question. Um, I, I think South by Southwest is a different beast entirely. So I think I think it fits into this overarching thing of conventions and conferences. But okay, so maybe to, I'm going to go the long way to try to answer. So <laughs> Sorry my, about that. <laughs> my my first South by Southwest was 2011. That's um, I did a I presented on. Um, uh, micro celebrities and nano celebrities, which was basically people talking about their expertise. Um, back in 2011, it was more, there was basically three slices. So there was the music, film, and interactive. Um, the interactive was kind of a smaller part of it, so it wasn't as industry driven. It's basically people that were either building these new products or trying to kickstart before kickstarter existed these films and and musical careers go eight years later to 2019 um it's basically become an industry marketplace so you have these red carpet premieres of movies so i think when we were there in march or april they had the red carpet premiere of pet cemetery and um a couple of other films and uh so that's it's become sort of catering to fans but that was sort of an afterthought uh like comic-con dragon con packs i would argue is fan first so it's basically people that enjoy popular culture south by southwest was always an industry show and then it sort of became 
um, a, a, a fan service opportunity. And that's, and that was kind of the big shock I had. Yeah. I mean, it's when I was explaining to my wife, my wife had the, the pleasure to go to Austin with me when we were presenting, I said it was dramatically different. So I was kind of expecting sort of more of that industry show. And I was not expecting sort of a two week long comic con, which is basically it shuts down Austin. So it's, it's about a quarter million to 300,000 people that go to Austin within that two week period. Now, I mean, some of it's still serving that initial purpose. There are bands. One of my favorite bands from college, Red, One, and Blue, was performing, like, I think a day or two before I was presenting at the South by Southwest Gaming. So I got to hang out and listen to that music. So I became sort of that fan in that case. But when I think South by Southwest, I don't flip. So when I was talking about Gen Con, I go from Dr. Tilton to Shane. I didn't flip. I was still sort of that industry academic dude the entire time. My role didn't change, even though there was these moments of really enjoying the content, really enjoying what's happening. So that triggered sort of my own nostalgia, listening to that band at 10, 11 o'clock at night, playing the songs that I remember them playing essentially when I was in Athens. So I think I think South by Southwest to kind of, once again, go kind of a long answer, I think it's different, but it serves a more comprehensive purpose the reason people go to south by southwest there's still sort of that tech fame and sort of that 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 that's communities of artists but it's expanded beyond that and i and i i think that's fine as long as the community can support it and there's been questions about if south by southwest has become too big and interesting it's it's mm-hmm. hard to make an argument it's not because i mean it shuts down austin it's hard to get through and austin when i was there in 2011 was kind of hard to get through it became even more so so i i think it exists as a way beyond fandom it's not it 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 touches on some of the parts of fandom but i think it's still underlying an industry show it's a way of getting artists recognized and um trying to make this impression on what we consider popular culture interesting I like it. So would you almost say, I mean, South by Southwest, any of these kind of conventions, obviously you're going to remember your very first one. Do you think it's kind of like one of those things in nostalgia where you remember your first one because cons are such a unique experience to an individual that that's what brings you back where it's like, I remember my first time at South by Southwest or I remember my first time at PAX and I made my experience so unique and individualized to myself, I'm going to be coming back every year. So the nostalgia of the first time, do you think that's key? Absolutely. No, I think you hit it. I think, And I think actually to kind of extend that, that when it doesn't meet the expectations of the first one, I think there is that, that area of disappointment. So kind of using the South by Southwest example, because it didn't exactly map onto my first experience, I felt it wasn't what I was anticipating. Now, uh, like I said, I've gone to, I went to Gen Con in 2002. That was my first one. Um, that was a little different. I was going there as uh, basically before they had like streaming, like Twitch and all these things, they were trying to do a virtual Gen Con. So my gig there was to basically film the panels, put it up on their website and let people watch it sort of like a, an earlier YouTube. So I, I think Gen Con to me had a different, interpretation because i had a different relationship with the overall conference or the convention um yeah i think but i think you're right on i think most people that are fans kind of have this expectations built on their first 
you know, their first time at a particular convention. So they're, the Gen Con one has been going on, if I remember correctly, it's 52 or 53 years. It was originally uh, in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and it moved around a little bit in the 90s, if I remember correctly. It finally established itself in Indianapolis, I think late 90s, early 2000s. And I, I think the people that have been going for 50 years are basically institutional memory of the particular conference or the convention that they know what the first one was like, and they are sharing those stories, and they're trying to sort of teach what the younger generations should know about fandom or enjoying gaming. And I think that's something that's important, that that institutional memory is part of nostalgia. So nostalgia is not just your personal experience or connection to artifacts. It's listening to the stories of others, and it because you're sort of building on to that legacy and that narration of, of like, listening to... Uh, people that were there when Gary Ganax and the rest of the crew sort of developed what Dungeons and Dragons was. And having that type of remembrance is important because it basically expands what it means to be a fan. So you you kind of uh, started going this direction a little bit um, in that last answer. Um, and I, I don't want to necessarily stray too far away from the con uh, subject matter that we're talking about, but you brought up Twitch and streaming. Now, yeah. I, 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 I understand how uh, Twitch and streaming relates to building the community, but I would like to hear your take on the popular popularity of uh, video game streaming in general. Um, okay. Just how, you know, I, I, I know of people that they end up watching twitch or even streaming on youtube more than they actually play the games and so i'm just curious as to you know how that it seems like it's a relatively new um topic in the last three four or five years and what your take is on that well ben that's excellent that's an excellent question i would say that it does connect to to conventions i'll get i'll get it back there but um the the concept that you're talking about is what we call the let's play videos and that's typically coming from streaming that's coming from youtube so it basically you have these personalities that are almost the same importance, if not more important, than the games they play. So the one example that I typically talk about is Jack Septiguy, who is a who is a well recognized Twitch um, let's play um, that basically plays the games and essentially he can go to conferences like PAX to. Uh, TwitchCon, which is its own convention, um, and be recognized. So he's known for playing these games. He has his own catchphrases. It comes fascinating. Uh, so I, I think what happens is that basically that's sort of an extension of the, of the gameplay. So you have uh, people that could be playing specific games. So, for example, they could be playing Overwatch. They could be playing uh, even like um, GoldenEye 007 from the classic N64. Oh, and yes. people will, re- people will <laughs> recognize them for playing those games. So I, I think it all fits together because it's basically sort of an extension of the community. So it's it's people find their own niche in these communities. And and sometimes it it's something that reinforces what the convention is. And sometimes it just reinforces the sense of enjoying people playing games that you may have played in the past and watching and building those memories. That's okay. cool. Because so almost... You- you see a lot of like people who play superheroes on movies too, and they'll come to like these right. things to support. Right, and there yeah. and there's and there's and that's sort of sorry, another ben. trend no, of fine. that. What was that Ben? I'm sorry. Oh no, I, I was 
Nolan kind of uh, he he uh, he was just apologizing for stepping on my toes, thinking oh, I was going to oh, say something. Okay, but he right, actually right, right, ended right. up going in the same direction I was going to okay, go. So. so let so let me let me talk about this. So I think one thing that happens is that you have people that go there for the for the autograph. So that's sort of that's sort of another artifact of of this idea of fandom and nostalgia. That basically you can see uh, people that uh, played like Superman or. Um, like for example, Bruce Campbell is almost a notorious figure in in the convention because he tries to go to as many conventions as he can to get signatures to meet fans, and people will recognize him for the roles he played. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples, but I, I but you typically have as part of the convention culture you have autograph sessions, and that's not that unusual for any. I mean, even like the smaller ones. So there's a Wizards World in Columbus. That uh, had all the had like three of the original actors from um, Smallville, and I think it had Carrie and um, a couple of the actors from The Princess's Bride, and they're going to be coming to, to sign. So, if especially with like a movie like The Princess's Bride, um, that there there are sort of that memories that you have about watching this, that movie, and you kind of share your fandom with the people that were part of it. And sometimes that becomes a little. Um, annoying for lack of a better term but i i think it's still a way that the fans feel connected to these 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 movies these shows in a way that basically makes you feel like part of the community awesome i love it ben did you have uh anything else i feel like i've been asking a lot of questions no uh no, um, on this topic in general, I think Shane did a, a good job. You actually uh, went in the pretty much the same direction that I was going to uh, continue that when uh, you know Shane answered the uh, the initial Comic Con um, com- Comic Con question that we had. Um, but I will, uh, I guess, take us into the next uh, question that we have kind of laid out, bringing us back towards the uh, nostalgia side of things. Um, do you think cons would be as successful as they are and as popular um, as they have been as as grow as fast as they have been growing um, if it weren't for the longstanding brands, games, topics, and atmosphere? Um, so I guess, for example, that would be if it was um, anything that was focusing less on the nostalgic of older games or long franchises and more of basically just what's new in the industry? That is an excellent question. Ben. Um, um, I, okay. So I, I think the best answer I can give is I, I think if it focuses on the new too much and once again, this is a part where there are people that are better that have done a little bit more of this research. So I have a, a good friend, Emery Daniel, who basically looks at the ways that fans connect with one another. Um, I, I, I want to say that without sort of the legacy um, pieces of content, I don't think that conventions would be nearly as popular. Now, there are particular events that celebrate the new um the classic example of that is the consumer electronics show so ces typically happens in vegas the early parts of january i i think it has its own level of popularity but i it's 
hard to say that that particular event is a convention if I use the definition I established early on, which is basically the celebration. So if you're just selling, so for example, BlizzCon, I guess would be a better example that would be closer. Um, I think it becomes more narrow because technically I think BlizzCon does celebrate a little bit its past, but it's trying to focus on its future because as an industry, as a company, it wants to continue growth. So They'll show their new games, they'll show the new events, and I think it's still, it has a level of popularity, but in terms of the mainstream saturation or acceptance of that, I don't think it hits the level of, like, a San Diego Comic-Con, Dragon Con, or even PAX. So, I think the best answer I can give you is that it still would be popular, but I think it basically serves a niche audience much more than these general conventions do right now. Okay. I mean, you know, that makes sense because there's, there, I mean, there's always going to be, you know, a market out there for um, anything new, mm-hmm. um, which would, you know, that's, there's always going to be that, um, that aspect to any of these conferences or conventions. Um, but, you know, what you were saying makes sense as to where it's such a, a smaller um, a smaller group of individuals who are specifically just looking for that um, that aspect. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I think if you we're looking at ways that companies, which I know this is kind of going away from the fan, but if you're looking at probably newer um, types of conventions, it has to be ones that serves the public in a way that they can express their fandom. And newer products really don't. I mean, you have to have some memory of the particular show, film, game, what have you. And dropping a game new without that sort of institutional support becomes more of a marketing event more than an actual true convention. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, to tie this a little bit, to round out the show, like what you just said, I feel like um, is a perfect example. So taking a general convention that includes everything within this culture of comic books, games, music, film. So when going on to social media and portraying that nostalgia of, hey, I'm dressed up as um, the Sex Pistols back in, you know, who knows when. But like that is going to make a longer lasting impression than just saying, hey, in 2020, this new album's coming out. Because right. after you say that, you have nothing else to follow up with it. There's no conversation. There's no nothing. It's just like, just anticipate this, and then it'll be here whenever. But well, when you talk about a general convention, you say you tweet out something that can spark a conversation. How does that kind of deal with like why nostalgia is such a perfect base for these conventions? Well, and I think in that case, in the first one that you're talking about, you basically have a vacuum. So if it is the Sex Pistols, miraculously doing some sort of, of comeback tour. Um, all you really can talk about until the album comes out is you can talk about um, God Save the Queen, or um, I Am an Antichrist, and all the songs that we associate with the Sex Pistols. So sort of the legacy of the Sex Pistols fills the vacuum. Um, in, most general con- in most of the conventions that people are fans of, the, there's kind of two avenues that happened before the event. One is talk. You can have the pictures of the past. So, uh, Gen Con's the best example of this. So, the, there's a fans of Gen Con page, which has thousands of, of followers. 
that basically part of their gig is they show the pictures from the past. So you can see people entering the exhibit hall or having the celebrities come out. But the other part of it is preparing for that event. So people will show the costumes that they're preparing or games that are going to be coming out. So it's sort of this representation of the past and the future that merges when the event happens. So that's that's an important thing to know, that it's hard to generate artificially sort of this fan excitement of, of, of conventions because there has to be something there. There can be you can't really generate nothingness. So it has to have some connection to the audience. There has to be some connection to fans. Otherwise, it's just basically empty marketing promotion. That's not effective in any way, shape, or form. Interesting. Cool. I like it. Uh, ben, I love this. Anything else uh, you would like to pick his brain about? <laughs> um, you know, I think... Uh... I think, you know, about 40 minutes into the show, I don't want to cut Shane off um, by any means, but I think it should be time to maybe talk about what's kind of coming up on the near future for Shane Tilton. Like, what's on Shane Tilton's roadmap uh, right now? Um, Coming up, anything new coming out? What his plans are for upcoming conventions? Golly gee, Ben, I wasn't prepared for this. Um, (laughs) Probably a couple things to note. We've got a book coming out in December with a couple of my friends. Uh, it's called uh, Video Games and Wellbeing. So it's basically using, you know, classic uh, video game techniques to help people think about improving themselves. So I wrote a chapter on that's called Being the Map. Basically, it talks about people sort of planning, you know, knowing what's going to make people unhappy and sort of knowing how to talk to experts and sort of tying that back to like Legend of Zelda, Dragon Warrior, and making some other connections. Um, I've also got another chapter coming out on, um, I think it's going to be in February, that basically covers sort of something like this. That basically, I'm talking about um, Comic-Con and how therapists should understand this particular event when they talk to their clients. So I, this is written for more clinical psychologists as an overview of geek culture. And I know we're still kind of working on a title for it, but it's it's essentially a geek therapy type of manual. So uh, those are the two big ones. And actually, I have a, also I'm going to have a chapter on Anthony Bourdain coming out in a few months about uh, how he uh, advanced food journalism. So I'm kind of all, what I'm saying is I'm all over the place. That's kind of my role <laughs> as an academic. But I mean, in terms of what I typically present on, it's still sort of gaming culture for the time being. That's awesome. And absolutely by no means bad to be in all directions. Uh, it's great to see your name on a lot of things and well, it, advancing it's be- the... It's better to be a generalist than a, a specialist in, in my career. So Right. I love it. <laughs> absolutely. Maybe uh, Young Nostalgia will get a little uh, shameless plug in uh, one of the chapters. You can, you can just like put us, put, put, us, put us down at the footnotes being like, you can refer back to episode 74 of the Young Nostalgia podcast. I, I will keep that in mind, my friend. Uh, he's the best absolutely Uh, Dr. Shane Tilton everybody here with us on episode 74 the Nostalgia Con of Young Nostalgia Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us especially uh, Dr. Shane Tilton longtime friend and supporter of the show as always you can find us out there on the favorite podcast apps uh, Apple Podcasts Google Play Stitcher Spotify anyway you can hit the subscribe button we'll be there down in the show notes you will find a link to Dr. Tilton's um, book or co-authored book uh, 
uh, the psychology of Zelda, as well as his Twitter handle. And you can reach out to him with any questions or feel free to follow him along his outrageous adventures of popular culture. Um, as always, we want to hear from you. Please scroll down, hit that five-star button if you like what you hear. Take about 30 seconds and type a little review down below. We would love to hear what you're thinking. Uh, we are up to 13, 13 reviews on Apple Podcasts, and we still have a 5.0, so I feel like we're doing something right. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> out, of, out of all those reviews, though, how many, how many actual – now, those are 13 ratings. How many are actual reviews ratings. with uh, – like typed out uh, comments. Do you know that? I believe we have three. We have three so far with typed out comments. So, so what you're saying is, is you're looking for more comments. You want exactly. Correct. Yeah. Five, That's, five we would love more comments. Positive comments. That's good. Right. <laughs> All right. I love <laughs> exact it. Exact point <laughs> I was trying to make. Yep. We're even getting schooled by longtime helper Dr. Shane Tilden. He's been a huge <laughs> he lo- I love this guy. He's great. Um, okay. Uh, anything else? Big guy. Well, you know, I uh, it's always super fun to have a guest on, especially Dr. Tilton. And I think uh, with all the stuff coming up on his uh, on his horizon here in the near future, I think uh, I think that's going to be a perfect opportunity to have him back on after some of this stuff um, he's working on right now comes out, and we can have a whole brand new conversation um, on those topics as well. I would I would love Absolutely. to be back. Always love to be back. Oh, it's great. Fantastic. Well, which which is good. It, it, it means we treat him well. So he uh, either he's saying that, and then is just going to hang up on us right after we hit the end of record <laughs> button. But I think I think it's okay. Well, we'll wait and see. We'll uh, we'll make it a surprise. Everyone will be surprised. Verdict verdict still out. Oh my god. Oh, I love it. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And as we always say here on Young Nostalgia, keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. We will talk to you next week.